in the hive with the killer bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Is this the uh, the remix? Football time in Texas? Our Houston. And we're ready to play. <laughs> I love this song so much. You didn't find the Cal McNair? Big bad job. That, that, did you that, send that to me? I did. Can we play it? Why not? It's on YouTube. Yeah. Why couldn't we play it? It was on another station. Like a hundred years ago. It's like statute right. of limitations, right? We're rebels of radio Jeremy's here, right? Jeremy's setting him up, and then all of a sudden Joe's going to have hell to pay. Yeah, we'll are, we, are, we like, are we like rebels of radio? Isn't that supposed to be our thing? Isn't that our thing now? Is that our thing? I think it's our thing now. I think that's what we're supposed to be doing. Spence and you know, the rebels of radio are back. And if anybody did it, oh, it's another Joe one? George's fault. Another one. Another ca- casualty of Cal's camp? Roy Lopez. Oh, I just saw that. Oh, you're God. I'm sad. It's That's sad your moment. dude. They're, I mean, D'Amico's coming in here and cleaning house. Of all my former guys that were on 11-win teams over the last three years combined. So I can't be too mad. Uh, they Apparently, they're waiving him with like an injury designation, which I don't really think matters other than you're paying him money to leave. Um I mean, it's not a big loss. I mean, no, you have Ridgeway really. that you're going to be your backup to Malik Collins and um, Sheldon Rankin. So, like, you're fine there. You're fine at nose tackle. You out-recruited. You recruited over uh, Roy Lopez. Lopez was fine on a bad team. He was he outproduced where he was drafted in the sixth round. But you've you've leveled up. You've leveled up from Roy Lopez. So it makes sense with what you have depth-wise. Johnny Grenard's going to make this team, right? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty saying, sure. If he's clearing house. Yeah, I don't coming think, up, coming, I don't, not so he was dinged up, but coming up and not so much after two years ago when we were talking about guys like Roy, Plett, Roy Lopez and talking about Grenard. I, yeah, I mean you have enough there, right? Now you know who might be the biggest benefactor of Roy Lopez being cut. Who's that? Kurt Hinnish. or Heinish, Heinish, Sorry, Heinish. Kurt Heinish. Because you guys like to call him Heine. It opens up a spot, and people liked him last year. I yeah. think he's mediocre. Joe loves him. You know why, right? Yeah, because he's a Golden Domer. Yep. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Golden Domers. You beat Navy. Congratulations. And they covered, didn't they? I have no idea. Yep. I think they did, yeah. Did they? Yeah. yeah, they did. They won by like 41. Did they win by that much? Yeah. I didn't pay attention after the first half. Or, or was, it for, great. was it 41 to 3? Sam Spread, Hartman Spread was like 31, Listen I think. This. He did. He Sam Hartman good. looked great against great. a midshipman defense that is bottom eighth of the, in college football. I thought Navy was going to throw the ball this year. They have a new coach there. I was, I was wondering what they were going to look like. So they're still running triple option stuff? Yeah. He was the D.C. He moved, in as, moved into the head coach role. Yeah, they, they fired, fired They fired the head guy? Yeah. yeah, they fired him like straight after the game without like a formal meeting and Why? stuff. Why? It was kind of messed up. Was he shady? Was the coach shady? Yeah. No, the AD that fired him was pretty, which former U of H AD, actually. Really? Gladchuck. Chet Gladchuck. Oh, Chet Gladchuck, yeah. Yeah, he is, he's the AD at Navy now. He fired him like very. I thought he was well-liked, that guy. Yeah, he was. Right? He was. He still is. So he's been there for a long time. Did someone else he and hire him? Matalula. Yeah, I was going to say he's a Hawaiian guy. He, I interviewed him once uh, at, back at the old station. Really nice guy. Salt of the earth. I, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's hired him. But he's, he'd be a good guy to have on your staff. No doubt. He's, he's, no, he is a, like a heck of a guy. Yep. And people were pretty unhappy. Not only that he was fired, but the way that he was fired. Players loved him, I think, for recruiting and otherwise. I think he'd I think be an asset to someone's staff. It doesn't show that he's... Uh, He's serving an advisory role at UCLA. There you go. Under Chip Kelly. So that makes some sense there. Yep. That makes some sense there for him. All right, Texans preseason, thank goodness, is done. Ten shows left until the Houston Texans play a real football game, which we're all very excited for. What do we learn first from this final game, Blankers? We learned that from the standpoint of what the Houston Texans need to be 
in order to be successful, this team is not going to make fans happy, I think. I think that from the standpoint of looking at what, what this team needs to be for C.J. Stroud, what this team needs to be because of the fact that they traded their first-round draft pick, because of the fact that they're still building a roster, and D'Amico, whether he's calling plays right now or not, it, you know, him adding him to some of the young talent on the defensive side of football, I think the defense is fully capable of stopping teams and, and, and keeping them in ball games. But I think that we learned that year one of, C.J. Stroud is going to be a it's going to be a work in progress. But Damian Pierce is your your bell cow. Damian Pierce is as much as C.J. Stroud is the most important person offensively on this team for the long haul. Damian Pierce is your most important offensive football player, and we heard it early on from the coaching staff talk about the running game. We're going to run the football. You saw that last night, and you you need to start realizing that that's a steady dose of what you're going to see every week if they have their way with their offense. They have to. I think with Slowick, too, he wants to do that, which is great. And Damian Pierce did look good yesterday. Now, what is Sounded Saints? Good too in the Saints interview. were also not right. playing their first-team defense. So let's see what it looks like. Let's let's you know reserve our excitement a bit. But I do think Damian Pierce is going to have a good year. I think he's a good fit with Bobby Slowick. I, I hope they don't run him into the ground. Um, and then you can get even, even into like the long-term conversation of, you know, what does Damian Pierce look like in three years whenever he's going to need a new contract, things like that. Uh, C.J. Stroud, we touched on this a little bit an hour ago. I thought he was promising. Uh, like He only played two drives, small sample. The first drive, meh. I mean, three and out. Mm-hmm. Second drive was good. You know, he hit, uh, he hit a receiver on a nice slant, per- placed it perfectly. The Nico Collins pass into the end zone was perfect. I saw a lot of people really playing up the deep ball that Stroud had to Nico Collins, which was a good ball. I also thought he was underthrown. I, I thought it was underthrown as was well underthrown. when I looked at it. Yeah, Nico it had still to dropped down. into the right window, but at the same time, Nico definitely had to change speeds to make sure that he could make a play on the football, and I don't think a lot of people paid attention Good to ball. Good ball. Were people overrating the ball on Twitter? Yes. Like People thought it was the greatest throw that the right. NFL quarterback has ever made. It was a good deep ball where your receiver had to slow down, and it was a good play by the, the Saints corner. Uh, not a bad ball. I mean, it was a good ball, but it wasn't a great ball. Like some people were like besides themselves and the ball that CJ Stroud. You, you slow down your receiver on a deep pass. Like it wasn't a great ball. Good ball, yes. Great ball, no. Like Twitter was acting. I, you know, and I understand that it was later in the game when lot not a lot of things mattered. And to your point, there wasn't first team defense on the field. But Singletary showed you that he's a step above what you've had in terms of the backup category of the last several years, too. I mean, you talk, talk about a guy solid. that's shifty, talk about a guy changes directions well. And, and look, when, when you need to hand him the football, it's not going to be where he gets stuck at the line of scrimmage or can't get outside to the edge. This is a guy that was attacking the hole, and he was getting positive yardage, and I think that's going to be a huge compliment because, to your point earlier, that's the one thing, ifs, buts, candies, nuts, you can't have happen. You cannot use Damian Pierce as your workhorse battering ram, and you beat the hell out of him by midseason or more. He's totally dinged up, and I think Singletary can help that. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. It's a huge upgrade over the fighting Rex Burkhead that you had a year ago. Uh, don't like the Tank Dell didn't get a single snap at receiver with the with the ones. Like to me, he's very he very clearly he's a backup. Like Robert Woods, Noah Brown, Nico Collins, I think are all ahead of Tank Dell. I think right now Tank Dell is your number four receiver. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I was trying to look for the you know the silver lining of saying, well, you don't want anybody getting hurt in that third preseason well, he game. He didn't run with the twos. But, but, but I was going to say, yeah, the fact that not only did he not run with the ones and get some run, but he didn't run with, run with the twos either probably is a, is a sign right there for the early going that they're going to see what they've got in the veterans. They're going to 
take these guys out there in the first, in the week one, week two, probably even maybe week three, and say, hey, you're going to get the first crack at this, and you, you can earn your stripes, you can keep your position, you can do things if you make positive impact on the field, but they know they got a guy in waiting that is just, he's a weapon waiting to be, you know, turned loose, that I think by week three, week four, we'll see a different story, and I think Tank will be on the field a lot more. It seems like they're playing to the veterans early. Yep. Uh, I wonder what it's going to look like in three to four weeks. But, look, if you're going to have an overreaction to just the depth chart and the snap counts from yesterday, like, we've talked a lot because it's very unknown with what the Texans' receiver production is going to look like. Uh, I've, I think I said last week that I thought Tank Dell was going to have the most catches on this team. After seeing the way that they ran out the receivers yesterday, I'm going to backpedal off of that. I don't think Tank Dell is going to have the most catches because I don't think Tank Dell is going to be on the field all that much. Just yeah. just watching yesterday's game. I think initially when we had the conversation until we took tight ends out of it, I think Dalton Schultz showed me everything I need to know about yeah, a guy good. that is a security blanket. It's going to catch a lot of footballs from C.J. Stroud because he knows when he looks his way, that dude can catch it and he can get open. And I think that's big. But, you know, to your point, I think that, it, you know, it's nothing to be disappointed about because you know what Tank Dell brings to this lineup, but it is kind of disappointing when we're seeing all the development of all these young players. We saw Tank in week one catch everybody's eye right away, but it was week one of the preseason. But then you see the return last night, too, and no, just get him in space. Just do something, you know, drop a few plays where you can just get him out on the edge or you get him in space and good things are going to happen. It's a little disappointing. I think he's going to be more of a gadget guy than he is like a mm-hmm. like a wide like a starting wide receiver. I think he's going to have the fourth most receiver snap counts in the first four weeks. He might catch a direct snap in motion. You move him around. I think you're absolutely right. But like, may, hopefully by you know the quarter post, he, four, he gets yeah. he gets elevated. But I think first four games, he's going to be the fourth highest played receiver behind Nico, behind uh, behind Noah Brown, even and then behind Robert Woods. Maybe the most disappointing thing from that game yesterday was Kenyon Green. Oh, my God. Kenyon Green see... was benched for a guy named Dider and then got crushed running with the twos. Did, did you see the spin move? Yeah, and he was hurt. Uh, I mean, yeah, and then right away he started grabbing the arm and started, like, freezing and, and, and tensing up. Mm. It's like, come on, man. At, at this point, you had a pretty easy camp. You didn't start with everybody else. There's so much expected of you, and you looked like you couldn't play dead in a haunted house or otherwise. You just look like a nightmare. And that is not something Nick Casario wanted to see. That's not something we wanted to see. We expected progress. We wanted to see a guy develop. It's a really bad look right now for both Kenyon Green and for the organization that took him that high as a guard in the first round. Who do you, I mean, who's starting left guard week one? It's a great question. I think it's Michael that's, Dieter. I also think that's why I think, with especially with the waiver claim you're talking about, I think they're going to be watching waivers real closely and talking to teams about trying to get another right, uh, left guard in there. Probably. They'll be in the market, I think, because they're not very good at guard other than Shaq Mason. Like, you no, have Shaq right. Mason, who you. Shaq Mason, I have complete He's confidence fine. in. He's, He's by far the best guard that you have on this team. I'm good, with, I'm good with Shaq Mason at right guard. But right now, left guard is a major concern. Kenyon Green was benched yesterday for Michael Dieter and then got crushed playing with the twos. And then D'Amico Ryan's today, like, almost like he has. Symph- like, um, like he has, uh, like he's worried about the kid, Kenyon Green. It was like, oh, he's going through a lot of things that you guys don't even know about. I'm really proud of him. Like he's, he's treating Kenyon Green like he's, you know, a, let a him project. Be a, let like him a guy, be a, he's a, just, a great motivational story and a future movie of the week, and, and let him play. You know, not yeah. play on Sundays because you can't afford to put him out there with your your future quarterback sitting there behind center, expecting that he doesn't need to be running for his life on every on every snap. And they spent all this money and made all these moves to develop this line. 
And the guy that they're worried about most is the guy that they drafted highest in the last two years, and that's ridiculous. Yeah, left guard spot right now is a problem. It, it, the guard spot in general, other than Shaq Mason, is a problem. 713-780-ESPN. Did you learn anything from the Texans game yesterday or from the preseason in general? 713-780-3776. Blankers, we talk a lot, not just you and I, but just people in football. Uh, we talk about worst to first a lot. How about the double-digit win teams from last year, though, and those teams that won't make the playoffs? So the opposite of worst to first. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Most bees make honey. These Killer Bees make great sports insights. But they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, 97, or 92.5. Uh, he's blank on Brandon. A couple of texts here. Lamont, uh, was Roy Lopez a Casario draft pick? If so, just 100 bucks. I had a wager on a Casario draft pick being cut. Yeah, he was a, a Casario draft pick. So I'm assuming Lamont was on the right side of this and is now $100 richer. I want to know who you're making a bet with on a Nick Casario draft player being cut. I want to run in your circles. Well, I just I want think to, that it's that's like having Joe run in your circles. Just another opportunity for Lamont to say, I told you so. <laughs> well, I think Lamont got it right. So he got it, I I'm told curious. you so. Who did you make it? this yeah. bet with, Lamont? That was a good bet if you're on the right side of this. Because, yeah, you'd be $100 richer here. Uh, I don't know why you raised your hands up, Joe. You were, uh, you're a notorious bad better. Yeah I, yeah, I guess. You are a notorious bad better. I'm 0 for 1 on the show. Which one did you lose? There's more I, coming. I lost something to you, and I, I bought you a burger. Somebody owes me a coffee. I do. I don't think it's you. I think no. it's like uh, the ch- the the show. The tr- like the uh, yeah the, the three next, of them. The next the time three of someone knows it. I Didn't know. you lose a bet to me already? No, y'all made a bet. The Lions Bears bet, or he has the Bears winning the division. And we have a, we have two bets now. You've here. lost two to me, and he also I've lost two yeah to you. But what, what was our bet? Uh, although I like our next bet, my coming my yeah, way. Yeah, the Cal McNair one. He's going to still be the owner oh. of the team. In the next four no, and a half I lo- years, I lost. I don't remember what that bet was. The, the, it's the on the run. Astros would acquire a catcher before. Oh, yeah. this regular season started. Yeah, that was a bad one. You know why? Because Yonder Diaz has been a stud. I, <laughs> you know, in matter of fact, they traded a catcher. But you, I know. <laughs> hey, Corey Lee got called up. Didn't you lose a bet? Yeah, had to give me a coffee and then got me a, a really crappy coffee. I did. I did. Yeah. I don't remember what it was for. Yeah. So I'm zero for two. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. you're zero for two. And then Jeremy, I got crushed. Yeah, we got crushed in Vegas. First I made bet. four bet four bets in Vegas. I you had a two. No, I we got no. I, I won a lot of money in oh, Vegas. Yeah. Okay, playing roulette. I got crushed betting the Astros. I oh, bet first five, yeah. and they were losing eleven to nothing. I bet the Astros on <laughs> the under. <laughs> bet baseball yeah, seventeen. It was in Vegas. I hate betting. I was in Vegas. I also have an Astros division champion future because it was plus money, and then I bet uh, Europe in the Ryder Cup again. <laughs> When do the Americans go into Europe and win a Ryder Cup? Never. And I'm getting Europe at like plus 150. They're playing in Paris. I'm not saying you're wrong, but like (laughs) it's still a traitor to our country. You gotta, you gotta think. You gotta think with your head, and you gotta put your emotions of your heart aside when you're thinking with your head. So Phil Mickelson always said, "I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not." Uh, Five six three nine. I drafted Tank Dell in the 14th round of a keeper league. Should I hold on to him or bail out now? I would hold on to him. Mm -hmm. Just see how the first few weeks of the season go. I think he could be the Texans' best receiver by week eight. And if it's a keeper league, and you're, I'm assuming maybe you have to keep Tank Dell next year for a 13th rounder. I, I would hang on to him for a while. Uh, I don't think you're anywhere close to cutting Tank Dell yet. All right, let's take a look at some of the uh, some teams here. We always do the worst from first, and we never do the other side of the conversation. 
Who are some double-digit win teams from a year ago, Blankers, that can miss the playoffs? Here's the pool that we're talking about. The Buffalo Bills, 13 wins last year. Cincy had 12. Baltimore had 10. KC with 14. And the Los Angeles Chargers had 10. NFC, you had the Eagles with 14. Cowboys with 12. Vikings with 13. Niners with 13. So from that pool, who are some teams that will miss the postseason? I think Baltimore's one of them. I'm with you on Baltimore. Yeah, I think Baltimore's where I would start. I just I know that they're, you know, they got the Lamar situation worked out finally. I know that they're trying to give him more weapons, but I know that, you know, the AFC is just loaded up. Their division is pretty damn good. Uh and they've got to show me a lot. And not that we're going to see a ton of it in week 1, but I'm curious to see, you know, with the coaching changes that they made and getting rid of of Wink Martindale and some of the things that they decided to do offensively to try and make a more Lamar-friendly offense might backfire on them. I don't know. But I would say that's where I start the conversation is that I think Baltimore is extremely vulnerable. I think Baltimore is vulnerable as well. And a lot of people are talking about like the Monken offense and like, oh, it's going to be a pass-heavy offense. I don't think that's good for Baltimore. I think you're right. I, because we talked about from the minute that Lamar was drafted, in order for him to have any chance of being successful, you have to completely rewrite your playbook to go towards his skill sets and his and and the the skill sets he brings to the table, I don't know that that a passing offense is going to do that. No, I I think that the strengths of that team is actually running the ball. Now they have done a good job of getting Lamar targets. Mark Andrews, one of the better tight ends in the league. Their receiving trio is pretty good. You got Bateman, you got Odell, you drafted Zay Flowers. So like I like the skill around Lamar. This is going to be the make or break year of Lamar Jackson as a thrower. You brought in an OC that wants to throw the ball more. You brought in an OC that's going to play eleven personnel, three three wide receiver sets. You have a really good tight end. You have three, I think, good receivers. If Lamar Jackson does not shine and succeed as a passer this year, then we have our answer. We have our answer with like who Lamar Jackson is as a passer in this league. And as much as you can point the finger at the new system and the new OC, the other thing that you're going to have to be real you know, keen-eyed on is Lamar just has to stop being Lamar. If they want him to stop running so much, most of the time that Lamar takes these, these hits and gets dinged up and is injured for key portions of the season or then can't return, and a lot of it was contract-driven, I think. But the fact is, is that he's got to be able to not try to extend so many plays, too, and that's going to be super tough for him because instinctually he knows that at a certain point when that clock goes off, he's gone. I think that he wants to throw it or run it less. I think that he wants to that's run it less. That's what I'm saying, though, but if he does right. truly do that, that could be a huge detriment to their ability to, to have success offensively. That division's also tough. Like, since he's not going anywhere, Pittsburgh looks to be improving, and if Deshaun Watson's Cleveland's a big better than he was last that. year, that's a team that can you know be in playoff contention as well. Uh, Buffalo, I, I see no really chance here other than the Josh Allen injury from them missing the playoffs. I still think they're the cream of the AFC East. Mm-hmm. I still think Agreed. they're a top-two, top-three team. Cincinnati, I, I'm almost in the same... Same way I feel about Buffalo, I do with Cincinnati. Although, I want to see what Burrow looks after this calf injury. Like, we we don't know how this is going. Like, have you heard any reports about Burrow and his calf injury? Like, it's been really, really silent. Like, I eerily mean, silent. You know, they always say that if, if it feels like you got hit, hit in the back of your calf with a baseball bat, then that's a full-blown tear and a pop. That, that That's going to cost you probably up to two months. The way he kind of couldn't put any weight on it, and the way it happened when he was in stride on a plant putting the foot down leads me to believe that he's going to be on the, the, the backside of how much time that he was going to be out, and he might get off to a slow start. Do I think that'll keep them from making the playoffs? No, they're just too talented, but it could derail them from their bigger goals of how far they can go in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm curious to see what's going on there. Like, If, if he's Joe Burrow is completely fine week one, cool. They're a lock to be in the playoffs. If Joe Burrow is going to miss four weeks... 
Okay, like, let's see what that looks like. I, I really haven't seen any reports uh, come out of Cincinnati. Uh, Kansas City, like, they're the cream no of the brand. crop in the AFC. The Chargers are interesting that's, to me. That's, that's my second one. I think the Chargers are better than they were a year ago. You do. I do. I think, I think, they, I think you know the where is an offensive play call. I think they're, Kellen Moore is going to do great things in L.A., actually. I think where they can get screwed up is their head coach. Yeah, he's got to stay out of the way. He's got to get the hell out of the way and stop yeah. going for ridiculous fourth downs and try to be, you know, superhero macho coach and, you know, be be the head coach of the football team and truly let Moore run the offense and let them, because they got a ton of weapons, they spent a boatload of money on their receivers to make sure they kept their weapons, and they got one of the best young quarterbacks in football. Where that gets derailed is if he meddles too much and tries to do too many cute tinkering things. He brought Kellen Moore in there. Kellen Moore runs top five offenses like they're going out of style. Get out of the way. Let Kellen Moore run that offense. I think Justin Herbert's going to have a huge year, uh, quite honestly. Uh, NFC, Philadelphia, I have no concerns about other than they got a new play caller. I can go into Indy. Brian Johnson's the new OC at Philadelphia. I want to see if that goes well. I want to see how that – I agree. I agree. Like That team's just loaded. I I feel like it's going to be fine. But new play caller, I'm interested. Added to the running game, quality tight ends, really solid offensive line, you know, anchored by veterans. And you got a quarterback that's got confidence now that knows he's not going anywhere and that, you know, the whole thing is his and he's got plenty of options. I don't see that their offense. And then they loaded up on defense, too. I don't think you worry at all they about Philly. They might have drafted the best defensive rookie in the NFL Boy, in Jalen Carter. I don't think there's any cause of concern for Philly either. If I'm reaching, though, it's new play caller. How about Dallas? Are we sold on the Dallas nope, Cowboys? No, nope. I'm not. Not at all. You're not, I'm you're not, not, at all. You're not a believer in lap dance Lance, huh? No, not only that. Well, I think that the, the reason why I'm not a believer in Dallas, in part, is moves like this that you're basically trying to, what are you trying to send a message to Dak? And, and you're bringing in a guy that you're saying might end up being someone that you want for the future of your franchise? I don't know if you're trading for Trey Lance saying that he's going to be the future of my franchise, though. Like, if you're giving up a fourth rounder for a quarterback who's been a bust, I don't think the message is we want him as our future quarterback. I think it's we're going to roll the dice on a project and hope that he can be a good backup in case Dak gets hurt. I just think for a fourth rounder. That's not much. Fourth rounder is not much. The, the Texans traded a fifth rounder for Josh Jones. Fourth rounder is great if you're a team that's in desperate need or you know, like in the case of Minnesota, that you know Kirk, Kirk Cousins in a year, there's a good chance you're moving on from him. And then you already got a guy in waiting, learning your system, could be the guy that could be the heir apparent. But when you got Dak Prescott with that money doing, you know, and, and the fact that he has been you know, your franchise quarterback, and I don't think he's, he's close to retiring just yet. Not that this is a Jordan Love and Rodgers move. But this is one that I think caught Dak a little bit uh, flat-footed and, and I think is a little bit surprising. I'd like to, I'd like to think that they, they, they asked Dak. Or not necessarily, I don't think they did. I, don't, ask, I said the wrong word. Just communicate with them? You shouldn't ask Dak. You should be like, hey, Dak, we don't want you to hear this from Twitter. We're going to tell you now. We're trading for Trey Lance. But I don't think you're trading for Trey Lance. with like Dak can't be thinking that his job's on the line at all. Trey Lance has been atrocious. Dak Prescott's been a, a borderline top 10 quarterback in the NFL. This is not even a conversation I just, in my but, mind. But I, from the reports I heard that Dak... It, Blindsided Dak, he didn't know it was coming. Oh, really? I and and I think that's a poor decision by Jerry and company, if that's the case. I would agree. But, but I think that a year ago, there, there was the sexy pick for the Super Bowl was the Cowboys. And now that those talks in the offseason leading into this season have kind of intensified because you know they tried to get more help. And now McCarthy's running the offense, which I think is a detriment I based on what I've seen. I could see them missing. I, I, uh, I, I, think they're, I think they're in the conversation. I think they're more likely to miss than the Minnesota Vikings, which might not be a popular thing to say, because Minnesota would probably be a popular answer here. I bet Minnesota you a lot of people would say Minnesota missed the playoffs. They'd be one of my answers. They won 13 sure. think, games a year ago. Yeah, I 13. think Minnesota, but you lose your running game to some degree. You, you, your, your workhorse with Dalvin Cook. 
You know, not that you're getting rid of, you know, Thielen at his peak, but you got rid of a veteran receiver in Thielen. Uh, you got rid of some of your linebackers that were, you know, mainstays on your defense. I think they took a step back in terms of talent overall on the roster. It's Mattis season. But I don't really believe that that, that the North is. I think Jordan Addison is a better receiver right now than Thielen is because Thielen's long in the he's, truth he's, and they he's drafted the back. Addison. He's on the back end of his that, career. That team was underrated good last year. They won 13 games. They won 13 games. 11 of them by one score. One score games. Welcome were big. to the NFL. I know. Welcome to the NFL where you win games by went, one score. But they went 11 and 0. So like if you even if they went 50 percent of that and they go six and five. They're not a they're not a ten. Remember that team. fluky Buffalo game where they should have lost it like three different times, then got a fumble yeah. on the one. Yeah, that was a fluky game. Yep. So twelve and five is what the Vikings should have been last year. San Francisco, any concern there? No, not at all. Especially since they upgraded a backup quarterback with Sam Darnold. Am I right? Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. All right, it's time now for our mailbag Monday. You can ask the killer bees whatever you want. Our phone lines are still down. Phone lines are still down, so don't bother calling. You're wasting your time. 713-780-3776. You can text us your questions for our Mailbag Monday, or if you're on Twitch, we'll just ignore you there. Twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. Mailbag Monday with the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Before we go to the break, tell you about my good friend Doc Linville. Doc Linville, best in the business at a lot of things, but in particular, I believe he's the best in the business at the Neograph Procedure. Neograph Procedure, quite simply, if you don't know what that is, is getting your own hair back and making a difference in your overall appearance. A lot of guys, as they start to age, they start to lose their hair. Sometimes it's premature balding, and you don't think there's anything you can do to stop it. You don't think that all you, all you can do is either shave it off or go to the sprays and the creams and the foams that mask the problem. Now, thanks to the Neograph procedure, you can get your hair back. Let me explain how. Genetically, you never lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head, no matter how bald you go in other places. So he takes some of that hair, he repurposes it where you need it most, And really, in no time at all, you start seeing the results and reaping the benefits of having hair again where you need it most. It could be your hairline in front. It could be the spot up on top and back. The bottom line is you get your hair, and it's not going anywhere. It stays with you for the long haul. It grows. It gets stronger. It gets longer. And it's going to be with you because it comes from a spot that you're never going to lose it. So I encourage you right now to go to 975hair.com. And check out all the website and all the ways it can help. Sign up for a free consultation right there on the website. Because you're an ESPN listener, you get a free consultation by going to 975hair.com. It normally costs 150 bucks, So nothing out of pocket, no obligation. You go in, ask questions, get answers, see if the procedure's right for you too. If it is, you can be like me and Granado and so many others that can't stop talking about the great results we've seen with this procedure. Tell them I sent you by because I believe in Doc Linville and the Neograph procedure. All you got to do is go to 975hair.com. You've got mail. It's Mailbag Monday with the Killer Bees. Something's in the bag. Mommy? Mommy? What's in the bag? Oh, what's in the box? Who's in the box? Time for our Mailbag Monday. You can ask the Killer Bees whatever you want. You have to text, though. Phone line's down. Apparently the power blew up in this building earlier today. Transform. Joe was here for it. Joe George was here. Maybe someone was after Joe George. That was and just, just uh, missed. That was me re-racking my weights. Oh, is that what it was? Oh, yeah. That's what happened. In between protein shakes? I didn't realize five-pound dumbbells made that noise. Nice burn. Uh, seven six seven three. Is this the new time slot for the Beast? Great Duh. question. It is. <laughs> yep. Yes, it is. Although we did get a new show today. Um, Josh Beard and the Who. The Who's had a great year. I'm really excited to see what the Who can do for our station. Uh, and Josh Beard. And Josh Beer. I'm happy for Josh Beer. Who are you? Yeah, so there's a bunch of people that are going to be rotating for Josh to see who he likes the most. Like, what's the deal with that? Yeah, I, I think have that's no a, idea what's going that's on. That's the right way to put it. Okay. 
All right. Uh, Key from L.A., if you could trade any of the three professional teams in Houston with another city, what team do you trade? I'm not so, going to – I will no longer be a sports fan. Like, I couldn't do that. I wouldn't trade the Rockets for the Nuggets. Like, I just wouldn't. I like the plight of my organizations in the city. I think it's part of being a fan for a team is living through the dark days and reaping the well, benefit of the good days. I, I think the other thing is having been through it as a city and realizing what it feels like when a team leaves – I, I think it solidifies your love of the teams that are here, and it also gives you a little bit more disdain for te- you know, a, you know, switching teams or a team leaving. It's the same way. Well, you know, I'm going to be a Packer fan my whole life. I'm going to be a Packer fan this year as much as I don't believe in Jordan Love, but I'm sticking with my team because I was you know, right out of the womb, I, I was a Packer fan. That's not going to change. I love the Astros. I love the Rockets. I don't change my loyalties just because my team's not winning games. And just because the Texans and the Rockets haven't won for a couple of years, you don't change your loyalties. No. There's certain players that I would like to play in Houston because I like their style, things like that. But mm-hmm. I'm not trading the team for a team. Just not. Don't you feel like, too, that's when your team is kind of going through a downtime, that's when you start being fans of players? Uh, you don't necessarily want to see like teams, especially teams you've hated. Don't you don't want to see good teams that, and you become fans of good teams. But like you said, you, probably a little more. I see superstars that I really know can play the game. I don't know because I, I like Shohei, watching them though. play. Like I love Shohei. The Astros are good. I don't know if it matters. Maybe more a little bit. Maybe there's a little uptick when the team is bad, things like that. But I'm also a sicko that like I'll watch a hundred lost Astro team. Like I, I did every. Yeah. I, I did the same thing. But I think to my point though is you're a Shohei fan, but you don't switch allegiances and come off the Astros to be an Angels fan. So right. you can you can watch. And Steph Curry is a tough one because of the fact that there was a rivalry with the Rockets for a short period of time. But you can still be diehard Rockets fans. You want the Rockets to do well. But you can enjoy watching Steph Curry play or, you know, LeBron or Kyrie Irving, guys like that. But if you've had a rivalry with that player, it's harder. Yeah. Like, I love Steve Nash. I loved Steve Nash. Did you really? I did. You didn't like Nash? He's okay. I loved Steve Nash. He's one of my favorite players just because... He was so good at distributing the ball. I thought it was great. Uh, 713-780-3776. Your questions for for the Killer Bees. Juan in Denver, looking for a neutrals answer. Who has a better regular season? The Steelers or the Broncos? That's a good question. This is artist formerly known as Steelers fan Juan. Are you serious? Yes. Juan in Denver, Steelers fan Juan? Yeah, so then he moved to Denver. (laughs) I see why. He's been a fan of the station forever. So then he moved to Denver, and I just talked about this. And now it sounds like he's almost leaning the way of the Broncos, but he wants us to solve maybe he's not the lifelong he's... question of who should he root for next. I th- I think it's Steelers, and I think it's easy. I don't think it's easy. Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, like Kenny Pickett. They finished one game below five hundred or one game above five hundred with Kenny Pickett as their quarterback. Did he struggle? Did he? Didn't they say they were struggling? He did, camp? but they won like didn't they won like seven of their last eight. They finished with a. They finished with a 500 record. They were eight, eight, and one. Yeah, because oh, that's, that's right. Because Sumlin was. I, that, the tie. I mean, at Sumlin, um, Tomlin was in jeopardy of having a losing season for the first time since he's been coach of the Steelers. I, I just, I think there's enough there with that's Kenny Pickett that they'll be Super solid. Impressive. He's one of the best coaches. They in the had NFL. I, their offensive line better be a hell of a lot better. They messed it a lot in it. I mean, Najee Harris is getting beat up. They're over. I don't think he's the best running back on that team. You think it's Jalen? You're you're, uh, you're falling into the, to the sheep. A lot of people are saying that. Uh, the Samuels like, is better. He. He looks like a one-hit wonder. 
I think the big key for me is Peyton's going to make a difference for the Broncos, no matter how bad Russ was a year ago. How can we say that he's a one-hit wonder? What if his one-hit wonder was last year when he was bad? He's been in the league two years. One You're was right. good, one was bad. You're right. So I why could couldn't his one-hit wonder be his bad year? 100%. I think he's a talented running back. He was drafted in the first round. Like How many, how many first-round running backs in the last five years have been drafted in the first round that have been lacking talent? Like, if you're a first-round running back in the last five years, you're pretty darn good. Like, you're really good. Well, and I think the only reason why Najee Harris hasn't been is because they haven't given him a line to run behind. But he was as a rookie. He was really good as a rookie. Last year, he was not. Now, the Vegas total on the the Broncos and the Steelers is 8.5. It's 8.5 both ways. But if you bet the Broncos 8.5, you can get it at plus money, Steelers at minus money. So Vegas is giving a slight lean to the Steelers. Now, both divisions are tough here. I was just going to say the divisions are key Both here. divisions are tough. Man, this, this one's I think, hard. I, th- I, think, I think the Broncos play in a tougher division, though it is close. Yeah, but you might be able to – maybe the Raiders are just bad, though. And you can beat up on the Raiders twice a year. Whereas if in the AFC North, it's going to be difficult to beat up on any single team twice. Yeah, they got Jacobs back with the Raiders. I don't know what Jimmy G's going to do. Yeah. I think quarterback means something here. I think Russ is fully capable of staying within the Peyton system and kind of not trying to do too much this year. And I think that they become better. But that division to me is the main reason why I got a hard time going with Denver. I'm going to go with the better coach. So give me Pittsburgh. I'm going to go with the better Ooh. coach. I'll say Pittsburgh has a better record than Denver. Okay. It's going to be very, very tight. I think Sean Payton If I had to pick one or the other, overrated. I think I, I still think – I think Denver's got weapons, though they've had some injuries. It's tight, man. Yeah, I, it's a great I'm gonna, question. I'm going to lean Denver. Okay. Um, Joe, you want to break the tie? I'm Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh okay. as well. Maybe you should Shocker. take back that question. Three zero eight eight. Who do y'all think will have a better season, Stroud or Deshaun Watson? Deshaun Watson. I don't think it's close. Yeah, I don't think you can even compare the two because of the fact Deshaun's been there, done that. No matter even if his skills have diminished or you know having two years off, he's not the same player. He still knows enough, and maybe to some degree has learned enough which is going to be a bigger factor and not trying to extend plays and do too much because he's got weapons like in the backfield and around him that I think that C.J. Stroud it could have a, a better career when all is said and done, but C.J. Stroud's not going to have a better year than Watson this year. Watson's looks so bad, though. He's been bad. I, I mean, and like, I don't buy into that. There's no chance he's learned from his mistakes. He's off the field, I get it. No, but like he, he's going to take bad sacks for the rest of his life. He does he, not know how to get rid of football. Like, I mean, he can't hand the ball off in the preseason. His skill guys are better, though. That's yeah, you got I mean, Cooper still, and Chubb. And Chubb is better than Damian Pierce. That's the only reason Facts. why I lean I mean, Watson. Amari Cooper's Chubb, better than anybody on their roster. By a lot. Amari Cooper's by far. I mean, the I mean, do the Browns have two receivers better than the Texans have one? Like Their tight ends? Well, Dalton Schultz. David and Juco is pretty good. Yeah. Like, Schultz and Juco probably, probably slightly in Joku, but maybe we can call it a wash. And then I'm blanking on the guy that they People's traded Jones. for. The, no, no, the, for, they traded oh, from the Eliza Jets. Oh, Mitchell. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, from Tennessee. No, no, from, no, no, no. Uh, from the Jets. The receiver they traded Elijah for the, Moore. Elijah Moore. Elijah close. Moore. And they're talking about using him in a Debo type of role where he's going to get like carries out of the backfield, things like that. I think that Amari Cooper is far better than anything the Texans have, and I think Elijah Moore. Didn't they have two tight ends? Is better than anything the Texans have as well. No, I don't think so. I think it's they had Hooper, but he's gone. That's what I was thinking of. And Joku is like the the top tight end there. Eight seven eight eight says Clyde Edwards Hilaire, like a first round running back in the last five years that was yeah. not good. He That's did, a great answer. He did bomb Good, out. Great yep. rebuttal because that one is true. Um, I'm interested to see what Kansas City does with him. Like, is he a guarantee to make the team? I would, I would not think so. Pacheco and McKissick. I, I think he's RB three. Pacheco, I think just he's RB three there. Pacheco's their starter. Yeah. McKinnon's their third down back. Clyde Edwards Hilaire's their distant third. I don't. I still think he's safe in Kansas City. He's I don't on know a rookie Mc... deal. I think he's still safe in Kansas City. I, 
but the thing is, he's kind of the guy that tried to grind out the tough yards for you and everything like that. Now they got a guy that does that. And, and McKinnon is such a guy that if he doesn't get hurt, but even still, even if he's not quite ever what he used to be before he got hurt, dude, he's the perfect scat back that does everything they need him to do. You're talking about McKinnon? Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know if there's real competition for the third spot. I think he is the third. He, I think he's uh, yeah. He's quite, definitely the third. And running he's back. not somebody that's making like a lot of money. So it's just it makes sense to keep him as your third running back. On I think seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. If you have any questions, just send uh, send them to Pac Manjul. He would love to hear from you on the Twitter. Is it actually time for the return of Uncle Mike? And who's at bats are going to diminish? If Uncle Mike does make his return tomorrow, it's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Listen up, sports bettors. Uh, I'm here to tell you about my favorite sportsbook and casino, and that's BetUS.com. Football is back, and that's awesome. It also means it's time to lay down your bets. I only endorse one sportsbook and casino, and that's BetUS.com. Why, you ask? I know you're asking yourself that question. Well, it's because BetUS is celebrating its 30th year of sports betting service with a special offer this football season up to 30 risk-free bets that's right up to 30 risk-free bets you can't get that anywhere else it's called bet uh, bet protect if that isn't enough bet us offers the industry's biggest 125 percent sign up bonus that's right the industry's biggest 125 percent sign up bonus and there's even more betus.com offers a massive 200 percent crypto sign up bonus and a 250 percent casino bonus they're giving you more money the game always gets more exciting with a bet but you can take it to another level at betus.com live in-game betting don't wait take advantage of their 30th year offer up to 30 risk-free bets get bet protect get started today by visiting betus.com or give them a call at 1-800-MY-BETUS that's 1-800-692-3887 to learn all about their bonuses and special offers 1-800-MY-BETUS BetUS.com, Sportsbook and Casino, where the game begins. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. All right. University of Houston takes on UTSA this Saturday, college football is back. Week one coming up this week. We saw week zero this past week. Week one is here. Everybody's going to be playing. Houston taking on UTSA at TDECU Stadium on Saturday. Cougars' first game is official members of the Big 12. Now, we have to get a little creative here because the, the phone line is down. But what we're going to do is we're going to ask you a trivia question. If you're the first person to answer this trivia question on the text line, 713-780-3776, Joe Jordan, we have your number whenever you text, by the way. Uh, so Joe's going to reach out to you, get you your tickets. So in a moment, I'll ask you the trivia question. But the first person to get it correct wins a pair of tickets to see the U of H game on Saturday, September 2nd. Uh, they, they take on the Roadrunners of UTSA, UTSA Top 30 in the AP. You can also get a family four-pack, four tickets, four hot dogs, four chips, four sodas for just $60. Head over to uhcougars.com slash tickets or call 713-GO-COUGS to get your tickets today. Individual tickets also just $20. uhcougars.com slash tickets, 713-GO-COUGS. Here is the trivia question. 
Who are the top three, any order? We're not even asking for the order here. Who are the top three career passing yard quarterbacks for the Cougars in history? 713-780-3776. Which three quarterbacks are top three in career passing yards at the University of Houston? Any order, you just have to get the correct three. You can only guess three. You don't send us seven quarterbacks. You send three quarterbacks. If it's the correct top three, you will get a pair of tickets to see U of H on Saturday. I'm going to call you tomorrow because I'm not calling for my personal number for the winner, but we will announce who the winner is. Are you is. worried about our listeners having your personal number? I don't want, like, Willie to be the winner and have to text my Why are you singling him out like that? Uh, Largo. I don't want these guys to have my cell phone number. I'm surprised they are. They don't have your number already. They're not crazy stalkers. Mm, you sure? Yeah. Mm, you so, sure? So first person to get the top three career passing uh, yard leaders for the University of Houston, you're going to see Houston on Saturday. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Michael Brantley is in Boston. Who? Blankers. Michael Brantley. Oh, yeah. Uh, he joined the team in Fenway. He's there now. I saw Brian McTaggart posting pictures of him. I think uh, he even met with the media, Brantley did, and he said that he's close. He's going to work out with the team today, meet with the training staff, et cetera, et cetera. Dana Brown was on the flagship last week, and he actually – actually, it was, it was on the Astros radio. It was the Sunday pregame interview um, with Astros radio and Robert Ford. He said that he thinks that Brantley's going to be in the starting lineup on Tuesday. It seems imminent. Now, it did seem imminent whenever Brantley rejoined the team in Seattle earlier this year, and it never happened. He got, uh, you know, he plateaued, he was out for a while, and then just recently started another rehab assignment. So it looks like Brantley's going to come back. Is it actually time for Brantley's return tomorrow? It's time, but it's been time. It's been time all year, and that's why I don't mention his name until he finally, for the first time, puts on an Astros uniform and is, you know, gets an at-bat and plays Major League Baseball. Uh, It's been a very expensive process. It's been very time-consuming but also very mind-numbing because of the fact that we went through all of this a couple of times, but the last time it it took a flight going to meet up with the team. That's why, again, I'm still, as much as it feels good this time, it feels right, it feels like it's going to happen – We know that he had discomfort on a flight, and then he was shut all the way down, and then he never put on a uniform, and then here we go again, which is why I refer to him as as sprinkles and icing because that's what he's going to be on your cake if you get him because you know he's a sweet swinger, and and you know if we we had TK on and we have him on weekly, but Todd Callis was talking about one of the best hitters in the American League over the last several years. You add him to this lineup, just think about what a boost he could be. All those things are fine and dandy, but look at where we are in the season. And we're still waiting to see our first glimpse of Michael Brantley. He can be impactful. I just don't know what he's going to be when he comes back. I think it's for real this time. I think he's back tomorrow. It just, I think you're right think- that it all lines up that way. But I'm just saying, now that's you're right. But then what can he do? Yeah, he was ripping the cover off of it for Sugarland, But how does he adjust to Major League Pitching again? That's a huge. It's a huge question. Like if we saw what John Singleton was doing in AAA, and we saw what he's doing now in the big leagues. It's a massive jump. It, it really you is. You call him accurately 4A players. Michael Brantley, I'm not saying is a 4A player, but Michael Brantley's been through so much over the last year plus that you just don't know. And at his age, we saw what happened to Abreu. We don't know what he's going to be. Yeah, see, I don't think it's fair to think that Michael Brantley is going to come in and just be a 300 hitter, quite frankly. Agreed. I don't think that Michael Brantley is going to produce the numbers that he did last year. Like, if, I mean, even last year was 288, but he had 370 on base, you know, OPS 785, wasn't great, but not bad. He's 36 years old. He hasn't played baseball since what, last summer? Mm-hmm. He's going to take a little bit of time to, like, 
shake off the rust. Plus, he's 36 years old. Like, he's older than Jose Abreu. He's right around the same age of Jose Abreu. And they've already said they're not going to play him back-to-back days, so you're not going to have, like, a mainstay in your lineup every single day. No. See, so I, I think that if Michael Brantley hits 270, that's fine. Like, honestly, if Michael Brantley hits 270 with a 350 on base percentage, like, that's OPS. what I, I don't think he's going to have much of an OPS. Like, his power, I think, is going to be worse than it was a year oh, yeah. ago. And he, he, does, had, he had already a 416 know he's a slugging last year. Yeah. Like, I, I think his OPS, if it's like at 750, that's good, quite honestly. Now, that's still an upgrade against right-handed pitching. Because right, against right-handed pitching, Michael Brantley is your DH left fielder. Jordan Alvarez is your DH left fielder. Jake Myers is no longer in the lineup, so Chaz McCormick's going to play center field. The question, though, is... What do you do with Yiner Diaz? Yiner Diaz is being because, the guy that's vulnerable. And we we kind of know the answer, right? We know the answer behind the dish. Yiner's going to catch J.P. France, and Yiner's going to catch Hunter Brown. Martin Maldonado's going to catch everybody else. So on the days when Verlander's pitching, Framber Valdez is pitching, Christian Javier is pitching, Jose Arquiti is pitching, will Dusty Baker play Yiner Diaz at first base over Jose Abreu? That's the question now. Here. He was willing to do to sit Abreu down this weekend, which for Singleton I think, and right for Singleton. Diaz on the bench. So then I think that the key now is whenever the pitching matchup is conducive in Dusty's belly that he likes for Yiner, Yiner's going to get at least one more game because he's going to get a game at first base. But I don't think that's enough because I've been the guy that's been harping on the fact that this guy needs to be in the lineup every single day. And we know that there are two days a week when when Brown and, and Fromber are pitching. I mean uh, Verlander and, and uh, Fromber are pitching. You're not going to see him behind the dish. So you got to get creative if you have to, but you got to find ways where he's going to play. You can get a, a, a start for him at first base. See, I think it has to be more than just a start. I agree with you, but be- where else? That's it. Like, because, I mean, Brantley's not going to play every day. Brantley's probably not going to play against So you're saying Abreu needs to sit more. But the, yeah. Like, the days that Michael Brantley, tomorrow, Michael Brantley's going to be in the lineup. Michael mm-hmm. Brantley, it's going to be in the lineup tomorrow. You're not going to sit Jordan right. most days. So, like, your normal day. Brantley's in left, Jordan's the DH. Maybe they're the other way around where Brantley's the DH, Jordan's in left. Doesn't matter. Those two guys are occupying left field DH, normal days against righties. Chas McCormick needs to be in center field those Absolutely. days. Normal days against righties. Martin Maldonado, when Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Jose Arquiti are pitching, normal days against righties, it's going to be Martin Maldonado. So the question on those four days... When those four guys are pitching, Dusty Baker's going to have to ask himself, Jose Abreu or Yiner Diaz at first base. If I'm the one filling out the lineup card there, I'm writing down Yiner Diaz every single time when that question pops up. Dusty Baker's not going to do, do it. But that's so so the answer to this whole question, who's it, who's it going to cost in terms of at bats? This is, is not every day cuz Brantley's not playing every day, lefties, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But on a normal day against righties, the question's going to come down to Yiner Diaz or Jose Abreu. And we can tell you the way it's going to be now. Dusty Baker's going to write Jose Abreu's spot in look, that lineup most days and that is a major problem. It's a massive problem because I'm the one that's been harping on the fact regardless of what happens with sprinkles and icing. I was harping on the fact already that, that Yiner, I don't care about the pitching matchup anymore. He's just got too much pop, and he's got too much potential at the plate. He needs to be in there every day. I think the writing was on the wall with Dusty's comments about Yiner well before Brantley even entered the conversation. And i got to put a dollar in the jar there because I actually said his name. But the fact is, is that when Dusty went out of his way when he was talking to McTaggart and talking about how he's, you know, he's doing the kid a solid, but, you know, and then he was also questioning his ability to play first base when they were trying to get him on the job training. But then when Yiner, I mean, when Jordan had to sit out that game, he moved Singleton and put Yiner back at first base. So 
it seems like the natural decision to make is you sit Abreu more, you play Yiner more, you have more potential for good things to happen. Now, Abreu's looked pretty good this go-round, at least this weekend. He was, he was hitting the ball better. He's looked better than Abreu before the injured Previous, list, but right. he's not looked better than Yiner. No, but that, again, to the point... Pawpaw's belly is going to tell you the exact opposite of what we know is the right baseball decision, especially in the regular season. The playoffs may be a different story, but even still, I think that Pawpaw's belly tells you, you trust the veteran, you trust the guy that's been there, done that, and that's why Abreu is going to win that out, and it's going to frustrate a whole hell of a lot of people, including two right here. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for the fact I'm that not. when Brantley comes back tomorrow, that it's going to mean Yiner Diaz is going to get less plate appearances unless... Dusty Baker makes Yiner his primary first baseman ahead of Jose Abreu. See, and defensively, which, too, with as bad as they've been and the way Dusty feels about Yiner's defense, I just don't think he's going to do it. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. He should. But he won't. He ain't. 713-780-3776. HRP listener line. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. We'll get your reaction on that. Also, look, I understand the fear that you guys have of the Astros missing the playoffs. But shouldn't the Astros have already earned your trust? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.